Dr. Tanvir Ahmed is a psychiatrist, a nine newspaper columnist. He's agreed to give us some of his time this evening. Hello, Tanvir. How are you? Good to be with you, Mike. Nostalgia. Is it what it used to be? It's interesting to me, you talk about the kids streaming old episodes of Friends. I mean, there was genuine concern when Matthew Perry died. Uh, they're really into it. Why do you think that is? It's always curious. I guess this notion of nostalgia, nostalgia has always existed, but it's interesting how modern media environments are potentially turbocharging it because now pretty much everything that's ever been made in terms of TV, music or books are just immediately available online. So what's happening is it's driving younger generations like in a more serious way to lots of older stuff. Now, that might have been accessible in the past through our parents or some in, in, a, in a smaller way, but now it's much more widely accessible. But that's also rebuilding nostalgia for parents. And I, I guess I've seen this just experience just from a um, personal point of view too. And I think their kids getting into all this sort of old stuff uh, whether it's Friends or uh, you know whether it's bloody Led Zeppelin or you name it, whatever it is, all sorts of music. I think it's building that nostalgic experience in a bigger way for other generations also. Now, it's always existed, but this digital environment is turbocharging it in a way. Mm. It's interesting. I mean, you talk about the personal experience. I certainly have that with my 20-year-old son. He is very interested and enjoys the music and the motor cars of the 50s and 60s. It's curious, isn't it? I mean, again, the retro and trends, you know, they've often, you know, they all often come back around, don't they? But it may well be that this era, their access to this kind of stuff is, is much, much greater than it would have been for us. Um, and there's, there's still something about the digital world. Anything that was really popular still gets, I think, thrust up even if that popularity was from long ago. Uh, and maybe there is, a, you know, I'm not a pop culture critic, but yeah, maybe there is something in some of those things from the 80s, 90s, 2000s, well, you name it, mm. um, that is of, of a different quality or is of, that, that is you know, attractive even to current generations. So it's interesting to me, it was pointed out to me today, you know, Taylor Swift is the cultural phenomenon of our era, that the audience is mainly mothers and daughters. Do you think that there's not as much around for young males? I mean, that's mainly my personal experience, my son and uh, his male friends talking about this. Were the past popular culture experiences more attractive to young males? Not exclusively, of course, but in this context? Well, certainly, I guess rock, heavy metal, that they would certainly attract the young male. In terms of the, what you, in some ways, you're, what you're questioning is, yeah, but what, what might youth rebellion look like in a way? Yeah. And I mean, Taylor, Taylor Swift certainly wouldn't encompass youth rebellion, but in the no. past, what what um, what young men would music would often be a path to some form of acceptable youth rebellion and things like heavy metal music or goth music or punk. Mm. You know, these were traditional outlets and, and they still exist, but increasingly youth rebellion might take on different forms, often online forms, um, you know, what sort of chat groups they're on or what games they're on. So I think those outlets are a little bit different to what may have been in the past. I mean, music's always some sort of 
um, that music's always going to be there in, in some form or another. But I think the rebellion amongst the youth is it takes on different forms given they spend so much more time in the online world. Yeah. It's interesting, I don't know whether you've taken much notice of these uh, stories in Sydney about the high school boys acting vigilantes against pedophiles. Uh, you know, it's just... I saw the headline, yeah, I saw yeah. the headline. Yeah, I found that, I found that curious. I must say I didn't uh, read the full story. But yeah, what, yeah, I'd be curious what their motivations there were. Um, it's probably an element of... Yeah, I guess male heroism of sorts. Mm. Um, you know, maybe some kind of unusual form of almost chivalry or something. But yeah, look, I must say I didn't look at it in detail. But look, I'll, like I'll bring you back to the whole nostalgia thing. Is yeah, I'll just give a bit of history on the term, right? So it, it, the first time it was used it was in 1935, and it was by a Swiss medical student. And for most of probably last 20th century, nostalgia actually had a kind of pathological connotation, mainly meaning that it was sort of associated with depression or even mental illness. Like, oh, really? really? I didn't about, know that, yeah. It was really about people looking back on the past in a negative way, full of regret, kind of bordering on depression. Mm. And depression often is called a disorder of memory. One way of thinking about depression is a disorder of memory where we just filter everything through a negative lens. But more recently, nostalgia's had something of a resurgence as much more positive, you know, especially in recent decades. And and now we're doing a lot more scientific research around it, which is showing that it does have all this power, not just in terms of this emotion linked to a past memory, but it seems to have all fire all these other parts of the brain, like uh, whether it's just processing memories in a broader way, self-reflection, and even social connectedness, which, which is curious. So parts of the brain that fire up in social positive social interactions also fire up when we feel nostalgic. It's almost a way that it helps us make, makes us feel less lonely and more connected. And it's even being used in sort of some dementia research, and they call it activity reminiscence. And when they use nostalgia, it, they're, they're certainly looking into the prospects of this potentially delaying dementia. Okay, um, yeah. So that's where this... I just think there's there's something about... Just especially the past decade or two, where uh, on and then combining with the online world, that nostalgia is taking on a kind of a new type of significance, if you like. It's not always positive, is it? I mean, I'm thinking of a couple of senior citizens who have had apparently very successful and uh, exciting lives. You know, they've had interesting careers and. In the case of the men, they've always been attracted, attractive to females, and yet they're just not happy now. And I said, well, you know, look at all the good times you had, but maybe they regret that they're no longer for them. I suppose that's the most obvious explanation. But uh, if you can look back in your life and think, hey, had some fun, why wouldn't that be a positive? Well, absolutely. And in fact, there is even a trend, you know, what we call rose-tinted glasses. That is actually common. As we get older, often we look back Part of nostalgia is we often look back at things that weren't necessarily that great or fairly neutral, yeah. but we often apply a much more positive lens when we look back on it, you know, decades later. So that's actually more common. So what you're describing 
Um, it can also happen, but that's actually less common. And you're right, it probably is a marker of, you know, some sort of either negativity or some sort of possible problem and I guess rarely even mental health problems when we're starting to look back on everything in, in very negative ways. I mean, it's possible they were bad memories and, and th then the task is more how to kind of move on, so to speak. But yeah, what you just alluded to is actually how nostalgia used to be seen. The mm. term yep. was people looking back with regret, full of loss, and that almost colouring the present. Um, th that's almost at where the origins of the word are. Right. So to go to the nostalgia with young and old, uh, do you think this is uh, bringing a, a connectivity? And is it between parents and their children or grandparents and their children because they seem to be different relationships to me. Oh, uh, yeah, unquestionably, yeah. Uh, look, I, I can't say I've, I've got any evidence of a particular one, but see, given the things like, say, streaming or, you know, playing music in the car, it's much more likely to happen with parents. It certainly happens with grandparents. So I would say that there's definitely a component that helps bring generations together especially parents and one of the big issues with parenting now and just family life in general is just being able to be together i mean even if you're watching a stream or screen or listening to something you know, these days because we've all got our own devices we're often off on our own devices mm. so i guess the promise of you know say watching a show like friends together is that you can actually watch it with a parent and there are lots of other examples of that so that's not necessarily always the case but this type of, I guess, what you might call nostalgic content um, right across media uh, does have the potential to sort of allow parents, children and grandparents to bond in a kind of different and, and more exciting way. It was interesting to me years ago, one of my sons was working very hard to find something particularly musical that was his own. And with my background, that would be a little harder than for most. And uh, he was telling me one day he discovered this group, The Clash. And you know what they do? They smash their instruments up on stage. And without thinking, I said, oh, you mean like The Who? And so that ruined it for him. But <laughs> I didn't mean yeah, to. Exactly. Yeah, similar. And I often said my kids where they hear some sort of cover song and think it's the original. And you're like, oh, actually, this is. And blah, blah. And I'm sure that, look, that, I don't think that was any different when I was growing up. Yeah. I thought something was new and exciting, but it was often just a little bit of a take on something from 20 years ago. So, so there's aspects of this which are the same across each generation, but there's something slightly different. One from pop culture and the way media is consumed. Yeah. And part of it is just from straight science, that we're learning more about the notion of nostalgia, the neuroscience of nostalgia. And there's an interest, with, given the huge growth in things like dementia, yeah. there's a lot of interest in the way memories work and the prospect of something like nostalgia even um, reducing or slowing down the process of dementia. Interesting. Tanvir, I appreciate your time and comments as always. Thanks for coming on the program. Pleasure. Thanks, Mark. Dr. Tanvir Ahmed, psychiatrist and uh, newspaper columnist for the nine newspapers.